Have you ever done something for someone, like given them something, or even just shared some information with them, expecting a, a certain response, but the response they gave you is not what you expected? Like, I don't remember at what point in our relationship this happened, uh, but my wife, Sabrina, and I, when we were dating, there was a season where all she talked about was wanting a rocking chair. Uh, she loved to sit in a rocker while she read a book or did her cross-stitching, which was her hobby at the time, but she did not have a rocking chair in her room. So I locked that away in the impress the girlfriend file and started looking for a rocking chair for my, uh, for my girlfriend, Sabrina. So I was in college at the time. I couldn't afford a real chair from an actual furniture store, but I did, however, start looking for a chair at secondhand stores. I finally found the perfect chair for Sabrina. It wasn't perfect because of how pretty it was, quite the opposite. It was this, this old, ugly 1970s green cloth rocking chair, but it was amazing. It was so comfortable. It swiveled around in 360 degrees, and I could afford it, which made it perfect for my girlfriend at the time. So I bought the rocking chair. I borrowed my parents' a Chevy Astro minivan, because nothing says romance like a minivan. Had the, the double doors in the back. I opened the back doors. I took the, the, the back seat out, put the rocking chair in, let my wife know I was coming over to her mom's house where she lived at the time with a surprise. I queued up some Chicago on the stereo, okay? Uh, you know, I envisioned, I envisioned flinging open the back door, Chicago being the soundtrack to our moment. You're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration, okay? You know, I thought I was ready for the tears of joy, you know, for my, for my girlfriend to be so impressed with this thing that I got her. So I got to the house, brought, my, brought Sabrina down to the street where the van was, took her to the back of the van, which sounds super creepy, but it wasn't, I promise. I, I opened up the back of the van. Uh, Chicago was, was blaring on the stereo. I felt like Buddy the Elf in the moment. I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it, right? So I look over at my wife thinking she's gonna be so impressed with this gift. I look over at her, my girlfriend, and she's got nothing. Just, just staring at the rocker in, in the van. Now, she'll tell you that she loved that rocker, and she was thankful, but she was definitely in the moment not impressed. It was nothing like I anticipated her response to be to me. Now, you might be asking, why in the world would you tell that story? Well, here's why. Last week, I preached about forgiveness, and I just wanted you to know I have now forgiven my wife. Just kidding. I have, but that's not why I told you that story. Here's, here's why I opened with that humorous look into my life. I wonder sometimes how God feels about our reactions to certain things in life. Specifically today, I wonder about how God feels about our reaction to the price he paid for our sin. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here. This is the final week of a series we've been in called Love is Louder, Rising Above the Noise. Whether you're new or a regular attender, uh, whether you're here in the room in person or joining us on a video screen somewhere, uh, I'm just so glad that you are with us today. Thank you uh, for choosing to worship with us. If you've not been here, I would really encourage you to get caught up on the messages online at our website or on our podcast. The whole series has really been about our response to things. 
We've been in 1 Corinthians 13 in the Bible uh, every week as kind of the foundation for the sermons. 1 Corinthians 13 by Christians is often called the love chapter in the Bible. And in that chapter, God, through a man named Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul, he kind of lays out the fact that out of everything we could ever accomplish for God, out of anything we do for him, love is the greatest, that love's the loudest. It rises above the noise of anger, hatred, racism, bitterness, division, whatever it is. And he lists out these things that love is or love isn't in life. So far, we've seen how love is patient and kind, specifically in our response to things done to us or things done around us. Then we saw that love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude, specifically in our response to when we don't get something we want or someone else gets something that we think we deserve. Last week, we saw how love keeps no record of being wrong, that love responds with forgiveness even against those who have offended or hurt us in the worst of ways. And church, make no mistake about it, those responses we've talked about, they are how God expects those of us who believe in him to respond. That is what he expects out of followers of him. Now, we can't do this on our own. Like, I, I can't do it on my own, I can guarantee you that. Like, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to respond that way, but it is what he expects. But I'm, I'm aware there's people here in the room today, you're listening or watching online, uh, you don't believe in God. You don't call yourself a follower of Jesus. So a couple of things I want you to know. First of all, uh, we love it that you're here. Okay, well, I want you to know that. Second of all, I've been saying this all throughout the series, God does not expect people who don't believe in him to live up to or in a certain standard. However, all the things we've been talking about in this series, even if you don't believe what I believe, you'll at least, I think, agree, it's just good for humanity in general. Like love is patient and kind, does not envy, does not boast, not proud, not rude, it's not self-seeking, keeps no record of being wronged, it lives in forgiveness. We can all agree that's just good for humanity in general. That's just called being a good person. But today... Today's a bit different. I'm not sure I can fully even grasp or understand the weight of what I want to challenge us with today. Today, I want to challenge us on our response to sin. Our response to sin. The big idea is this on the screens if you want to write it down. The response we have to sin in this life reveals the depth of love we have in this life. Our response to sin, mine and others in this life, reveals the depth of love, God's love, that I have in my life. Now remember, this whole chapter is about love. And Paul's about to address how love responds to sin. How God expects us and enables us to respond to sin. And what I hope we'll see today is the deeper God's love gets rooted in my heart, the greater my response will be towards sin. The deeper God's love gets, the greater my response will be. So if I should respond to sin in a certain way, I think we've got to ask this question, our big question today, how should we respond to sin? What's the proper response to sin? The main scripture is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 6 and 7. 
Uh, it's really the last part of the list that Paul gives of the do's and, and don'ts that love is and isn't. It's not very long scripture, but we're reading some other scriptures and some quotes as well. So if you want to use the screens to follow along, you can. You can use your own Bible, that'd be fantastic, or you can follow along uh, on the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't own a Bible, p- please pick one up before you go. They're free out at guest services. Just ask for one, and we'll get you one. We're going to dive right in here. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, God, through the Apostle Paul, says this, Love does not rejoice about injustice. That word injustice literally means unrighteousness or sin. So love does not rejoice about sin, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Now, if you don't know, the New Testament portion of the Bible was originally written in the Greek language, and Greek does not translate into English perfectly, and so in our English language, we have a number of different what's called translations of the Bible. We're using the New Living Translation here. Other translations in the English say this, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Now, as I was studying the meaning of this verse, there is an element here that we can't ignore, but I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on. There's an element here of the fact that as Christians, we should not rejoice when evil things befall someone in our life that may be our, might be our enemy or we don't like. So I don't, I'm, I'm not pointing anybody out because I'm as guilty as anybody in my life of doing this before. But have you ever just felt about someone, like like something bad happens to someone that you don't like or call them your enemy or whatever, and you say out loud or you think, well, they're just getting what they deserve, or say that? Or or something bad happens to somebody you don't like or, again, somebody who might be your enemy, and sarcastically you say, I mean, sarcasm is a spiritual gift of mine, so sarcastically you, you say something like, well, it couldn't have happened to a better person. Ever say that before? There's a hint of that here, by the way, that love does not rejoice when evil befalls on someone you don't like. But we've talked enough about that in the series. We've already talked about how Jesus expects those of us who follow him to love our enemies, to pray for and bless those who persecute us. So this obviously makes sense that that would include that meaning, but it's more than that. uh, Albert Barnes, the theologian in his commentary, said this about that verse. Love grieves when anyone has done anything wrong. It neither loves the wrong nor the fact that it has been done. Love grieves sin. So the first response we have, need to have towards sin is this. Number one, love grieves over all sin. Love grieves over all sin sin. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you grieved over sin? I'm not talking about just feeling bad. I'm talking about when's the last time you were broken for your own sin and the sins of others? I've been so challenged this this week by this church. I kind of feel that God has swung the doors open on the back of the minivan, like from my illustration earlier, Only this time, he's not revealing a gift. He's revealing to us the depth of sin in this world. And we're kind of like, oh, okay. Just moving on. I mean, sin is sin. Everyone sins. No one's perfect. Sin is sin is sin. The whole world's just full of sin. Like this. Okay. But no. No. 
Like sin is not something we, we just put up with in life. Sin is something God wants to put away from this life. That, that sin cannot be something we gloss over as if it's no big deal. Sin must be something we grieve over in this life. Like, do we forget? I think sometimes we kind of do. I, I, I do anyway. Do we forget it was our own sin that nailed Jesus to the cross? Not just sin in general or someone else's sin, but my sin killed Jesus. There's weight to that, church, that should cause us to grieve over our sin. That all the sins I ever committed and any sin I will commit in the future, all of it, sin is so great an offense against God, the only remedy he had was what we sang about earlier in the song Heaven and Earth. Salvation came for us, nailed to a tree. The father lost his son so we could be free. The sins of all the world, a ransom's death, it was finished as he took his final breath. It took the sinless, perfect blood of God himself in the flesh to get rid of and pay the price for our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 words it this way. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And yet we just gloss over it as if it's no big deal. Everyone sins. What's the big deal? Friends, when we are filled with the love of God, we can't help but grieve over our sin. Especially when we see our God hanging on a cross to pay the price for it. Until we grieve over the depth and weight of sin, we will never be able to fully rejoice at the glory and majesty of our salvation. That was good enough to repeat, so I will. Until we grieve over the depth and weight of our sin, we will never be able to fully rejoice at the glory and majesty of our salvation. Salvation won't be great enough until we know our sin is great against God. I read dozens of quotes about this idea of grieving over sin from theologians and pastors. Here's four that rose to the top for me. The quickest way to lose the wonder of the gospel is to lose sight of the depth of our sin. Jared Mulvihill, pastor and blogger. John Owen, another pastor, says, I do not understand how a person can be a true believer and sin not be the greatest burden, sorrow, and trouble in their life. Jonathan Edwards, famous theologian, long gone now, said, the more a true saint loves God, the more he mourns for sin. A.W. Pink, pastor, theologian, and poet. It is not the absence of sin, but the grieving over it, which distinguishes the child of God from empty professors of faith. I have to wonder, church, if there is no grieving over sin in my heart, how much of God has been pushed out of my heart because of sin? 
Because when God is present in my heart and there is any remnant of sin, I grieve over that sin. The response we have to sin in this life reveals the depth of love we have. So how should we respond to sin? I, church, I think there is a, a healthy sense of grieving we need to have over sin. And to be honest, I think we've lost a lot of that in the church today. We just lost it. You go back 100 years, 200 years, there was a healthy sense of mourning over the sins of the world, including our own. But there's good news. You ready for some good news? Because <laughs> there's enough of the, of the Debbie Downer here. Here's some good news. Number two is this. Here, number two response. Love grows in the midst of sin. That love grieves, yes, over sin, but love also can grow in the midst of all the sin. Paul kind of shifts gears here. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says this, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. Isn't that good? That in a world full of sin, we still have hope. Meaning, no matter how bad things get in the world, no matter how dark it seems to be, no matter the evil that is done or how much sin there is in the world, the person who is filled with God's love always believes that God still wins the day, that he has the last word, as we sang about earlier, that when Christ was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he wasn't just saying my life is finished. He was saying sin is finished. Its reign is over. Satan has no mastery over this place. His fate has been sealed. Oh, he might still wreak havoc on the world today, but through my death and resurrection, I have overcome the world. And when I come back again, I will make everything right again. But until that day, church... Until that day, because we have God's love, there is no one or no thing outside the reach of God's amazing grace. That God is still in the saving business. He's still in the business of taking our sin, forgiving it, setting us free to live for him. And love keeps believing about everyone and everything that until the very possibility of them being saved has vanished, we still believe God will save the day. That love never gives up, is always hopeful, and never loses faith. Can I get a good amen today, church? However, <laughs> many times, it seems that we Christians have just given up hope these days. Seems like all we talk about is how bad the world is, how wicked the world is, how dark the world is. And don't get me wrong, it is, it is bad and wicked and dark, and you and me are included in that. We have added to the darkness with our own lives. But it's always been bad, right? And my dad mentioned this a few weeks earlier when he preached. I mean, what we are seeing today is nothing new. It's not. All the way back in Genesis, this happened. 
Genesis 6, 5 and 6 says this, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Those are the, some of the saddest verses, by the way, in all the Bible. And I can't theologically even understand it. But it's nothing new. So, so can I encourage us with something today? Here, here, here's some good news. Maybe this will help our love grow a little bit. Since July 1st of this year, since July 1st, we have seen 100 people profess faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Isn't that awesome? 100 people. Just a couple months. 100 people come face to face with their sin and their Savior, and they chose to surrender themselves to the loving, merciful, gracious, saving love of God. So we will never give up. We will never lose faith. We will always be hopeful. Standing out at the back to school bash uh, last Saturday, two, week, uh, two Saturdays ago, I was talking with one of our volunteers. He was telling me about another volunteer, kind of pointed them out, said, Hey, do you know who they are? He said, uh, They were, their marriage was headed towards divorce, like this couple, they were going to get divorced, being torn apart by the ravages of, of divorce. But one of the spouses came to Element and got saved, reached out to their spouse and said, we've got to work this out. And so now, not only through the ministry of Element Church have their sins been forgiven and God's restoring their heart, but now he's restoring their home. So we will never give up. Yeah. We'll never give up. We will never lose faith. We will always be hopeful. We got an email this week, just this week, emailed to us from a drug addict who came to Element Church two days after being released from prison. They had never been to a church before in their life, and they came to Element Church. They got plugged into our ministry and into a small group, and through the ministry of Element Church, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not only have they been set free of their sins, but they are living in freedom from addiction. So we will never give up. We will never lose faith. We will always be hopeful. Which, by the way, they got most of their help not from my sermons, but from their small group. Like, this is just a small portion of what it means to be a part of a family. If this is all the feeding you are getting, you need to be in a small group. <laughs> this, is a, this is an appetizer or a dessert, dessert, either way you want to look at it. I'm for both appetizers and desserts. All I'm saying is if that's all I ever ate, I wouldn't be very happy. We need a meal every now and then, and meals can happen amongst small groups, so sign up for a small group if you would. I think that'd be fantastic. Last Sunday, in the middle of the summer, we had 1,454 people in church, which is the largest summer attendance we've ever had. We've only had 1,400 people more uh, one other time in the history of our church in the summer. It's 260 more people than any Sunday in June, July, or August of last year. And so this is as good a time as any just to keep reminding you uh, that because there are still more people to reach with God's amazing love and because we expect more people to keep coming to Element Church as the, the fall picks up here, we are adding a fourth worship experience on Sunday, October 14th. The service times are on the screen for you right there, 8.30, 10, 11.30 uh, will be our new morning service times, making more room in our morning services where we need it the most and then uh, keeping the 6 p.m. service as well. As I told you, we're going to leverage the power and beauty of technology to 
do this. My voice can only preach so hard for so, for so long. And so on most Sundays, we'll record the 8.30 service live, and then one of the other remaining services, at least one, will get uh, a video sermon. And I believe God's gonna continue reaching people with stories like I just shared with you, seeing his love reach more and more and more people for him. Even the next sermon series we're doing uh, goes right along with this idea. Two weeks from today, we're starting a series I'm super excited about, been planning it for months, called Fences. So often I feel like as Christians, we put up fences in our life, that we're, we're so focused on protecting ourselves from a sinful world that in our fear to be protected from being affected by the world, we have stopped affecting the world. And so Jesus intends for us to live significant lives, making the most of our faith with those around us. But the fences we put up end up limiting our faith when God wants to unleash it. So for the month of September, we're tearing down some fences in this series, and I hope that we can expand our faith so we can reach more people with the faith because love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. Yet that, yes, the darkness in our world is great, but the darker the world gets, the brighter the light of Jesus will shine. And so we're going to let our lights shine, church. In fact, the whole sermon I'm preaching in that series, based on what Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. No, we let our lights shine so that everyone will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We might even sing the song, This Little Light of Mine, who knows? The response we had to sin in this life reveals the depth of love we have. So how, do we, how should we respond to sin? Love grieves over all sin. It grows in the midst of sin. Then number three is this. Love keeps going in spite of sin. It keeps going. Paul ends his list here. Verse seven. Love endures through every circumstance. Through every circumstance. The Cambridge Bible Commentary added this thought. The verse, love sustains to the end with unshaking confidence in the goodness of God. You might say, goodness of God? If you knew what I was going through, Jeff, you wouldn't believe he's good. Can I just challenge you that God's goodness is not based on how great your life is? It's based on how great his life is in you regardless of what life brings. God's goodness is not based on circumstances. It's based on the fact that he's our savior. That he paid the price on the cross for my sins. Never promised us it'd be easy, but he promised he'd be with us. That no matter what comes against me, no matter what I'm required to face or allowed to go through, because of God's life in me and his love in me, I can and will endure through every circumstance. That love keeps going in spite of sin or the effects of it. Because sin is not just the acts of evil. Sin's affected everything. Every sickness and disease is rooted in sin, the original sin of man. That when Adam sinned in the garden, everything was affected. So every natural disaster, every sickness, every disease, every persecution, all of it is a result of sin. So love keeps going in spite of sin or what it produces, sickness, disease, anger, hatred, persecution, division, racism, bitterness. It, it keeps going. It endures through every circumstance. 
Paul also wrote 2 Corinthians. He said this in chapter four. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Ever been pressed before? We are perplexed. What's going on? But not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, and oh, how I wish he would have said, but we get up again. But he didn't. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Ever been knocked down? Verse 12, so we live in the face of death, but it has resulted in eternal life for you. Verse 16, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Our love is growing. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we can see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen. So the response we had to sin in this life reveals the depth of love we have. And I want God's love rooted deep in my heart. So how do I respond? Well, love grieves. We need a healthy sense of grieving. Grieves over all sin. Love grows in the midst of it. That as, as great as sin might seem, our God is greater. So my love grows. And love keeps going in spite of sin. That no matter what comes against me, like Paul said, that is why we never give up. Never give up. I want you to bow your heads if you would. And I just want you to, I want to ask you this question. Which one of those is God leaning into you about? Might be one, might be two, might be all three. Maybe it's none. I don't know. But which one is God pressing into you? Is there, is there some sin that you need to grieve over? Have you kind of given up hope in the midst of all the darkness and your love needs to grow? Has something or someone come against you and you need to endure? I don't know what it is, but wherever God's pressing it on you right now, I just pray that you do some work with him. And God, we ask you in the name of Jesus right now to enable us and empower us by your Holy Spirit to do and respond the way that you've called us to. Lord, there is some sin in this room that needs grieved over. Break us, God, I pray, for our own sin and for the sin of the world. God, I know in my own life, it's easy to get discouraged by all the sin around us, so I, I pray for my love to grow, that we'd never give up, never lose faith, always be hopeful. And Lord, there are going to be things that come against us. I pray that you give us the love to endure. Just keep on going in spite of what comes against us. But maybe you're here today and you've, you've, actually, you've never actually received God's love for the forgiveness of your sins I mentioned earlier, there was a great price paid for our great sin. It cost the blood of God himself. The great news is he didn't stay dead. He's alive. Jesus rose from the dead. And by faith in him, he will forgive you of your sins, will live in your heart and enable you to live out a life for him. So if you want to ask Jesus into your heart today to be your Lord and Savior, I would just ask you to pray this prayer. Just pray it silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, thank you for the price you paid. You sent Jesus in my place. And so Jesus, I give you me. Everything I've ever done, every sin I've committed, I confess it to you. I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive me of, of my sins by the power of your blood. 
Come into my heart and live in me. Give me the power of your spirit to turn from my life of sin and follow you in a life of holiness and righteousness. Thank you for loving me. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, there's a point in my life where I prayed that prayer and dozens of others in this room as well. And so now you are among family and we're so excited for you. But we'd love to know about it. It takes, I think, your, your decision was private, but now to follow him is public. And so I wanna give you a chance to publicly declare that you put your faith in Jesus. So if you're here today and you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, would you just lift up your hand and leave it up and say, yep, that's me, all the way in the back, praise God. Anybody else? Right there, praise God. Anybody else? Lift your hand up, praise God. Amen, welcome to the family. Anybody else? I just asked Jesus into my heart. Anybody else? Right there, amen, welcome to the family. Awesome, praise God. Anybody else? I mean, I see you, praise God, welcome, welcome. That's awesome, that's awesome. Listen, yeah. We're, go, we're flying past 100, church. There's gonna be more, uh, which is awesome. If you prayed that prayer, it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. It's the hardest one to live out. And so we wanna help you. A great way to get help is get plugged into a small group. It's a safe place to take your next steps with Jesus. But we also wrote a devotional for you called 21. You can ask for one at the, at the uh, guest services counter out in the lobby, and we'll give you one free of charge and no strings attached. You can use it to help get you taking your next steps uh, with Jesus. So, so proud of you uh, for making that step. And God, God's proud of you too. That's why he came, was for that moment right there. Okay? I love you guys. Let me pray for you. I've got just a couple of closing remarks and then I'll let you go. Lord, you're so good. Thank you, Lord, for the new life that came into your presence today. Lord, uh, the, the journey's begun for some people today, but for others, we're still on the journey and we all need your help. So would you give us help by your Holy Spirit to live a life of love? Lord, help us, help us have that, that, that healthy sense of grief over sin. Lord, enable our love to grow and would you give us the power to endure, to keep on going in the midst of sin. We love you, God. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new here, we'd love to see you in the living room on your way out. Please stop there. If you need prayer for anything going on in your life, got a prayer team at the very back of the room at the purple tent back there. They'll pray for whatever you got going on. New series starts in two weeks. We'll be back here, though, next week with a great word. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.